Yes. Today I want to begin a, a new series, and we'll see how long we're here. Um, I want to start a series. I'm going to be preaching through the Gospel of John. Why? One, because there's so much information that is foundational to the Christian faith in this gospel. Um, And while it's good to focus on other things that are part of our faith, we also always need to come back to basics and what is our foundation to make sure that our foundation is strong. Um, And we can't ever say we spend too much time on the foundational and simple and basic stuff. Also, it's just a lot of good stuff in the Gospel of John. Um, But today, I want to begin with the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John in the title tonight, um, uh, today, Who is Jesus? Gospel of John, chapter 1, I'll begin reading in verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not that light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him, and the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace and place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the only one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Who is Jesus? It's interesting how John begins this gospel in a different way than many of the other gospel writers. Matthew and and Luke begin their gospel with going back to Jesus' birth. And even in those two Gospels, though they begin with the same uh, story that we celebrate at Christmas time, they do it from different perspectives. Mar- uh, 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 Matthew begins with a genealogy of Jesus, but begins it from Abraham as his target audience was the Jewish people. Luke, on the other hand, begins with a very different uh, genealogy going back to Adam, again, because his target audience was different. And Mark just bypasses the nativity altogether and said, let's just dive into the ministry of Jesus and begins with John the Baptist crying in the wilderness. 
John is somewhat like Mark in that regard, but before diving into the ministry of Jesus, before getting into who the Messiah's forerunner is, there is an opening section that throughout church history has been called the prologue or this introduction to this work. And as we can see, as we will see in this journey, John has one specific goal in mind with his, with his entire gospel. And that's something he makes clear at the end of it. John chapter 20, verse 31 says, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in him. John's goal was to reach people. John's goal was to persuade people. John wants to have those who read this gospel become disciples. He was not just looking to inform people. He was not just looking to be able to give people more knowledge. His goal was to make disciples. And that should be our goal as well. So he begins by giving an overview of Jesus's, for lack of a better term, credentials. John answers the question that many of us ask one another when we meet somebody for the first time. We basically want to assess, who are you? Where are you from? And what is it that you do? Now, often people will mistake, and it, 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 it's a common mistake and an easy one to make, in looking at the life of Jesus and assume that Christ is his last name. It's not. It's his title. Christ in Greek literally means Messiah. So Jesus Christ is an affirmation that we accept Jesus as the Messiah, the promised one in the, in the Old Testament scriptures. Now, Christ is the most often title used for Jesus in the New Testament. Second would be Lord. But the next one where I'm going to spend some time on today is Son of Man. He is, he is referred to throughout the New Testament as the Son of Man. And it's often seen that when Jesus himself calls himself the Son of Man, that he is referring to his humanity. And there's an aspect of that. But when Jesus called himself the Son of Man in front of Jewish people, they understood that he was identifying himself as the one that was promised in Daniel chapter 7 that would come from heaven to be a witness to God and a person who would reveal God and also bring judgment. So with this title, he is essentially answering the question, the get-to-know-you question. John is saying, you want to know who Jesus is? Here it is. John chapter 6, verse 38 says, I have come to do the will of my Father. John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And back in Matthew chapter six, uh, 9, verse 6, the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins as he heals a paralyzed man. So Jesus is basically giving a clear indication, as does John, okay, this is where I'm from. Now, this gospel begins with words that would have stirred the Jewish people because it, it, it starts with in the beginning. And that's a clear reference back to Genesis chapter 1. This scripture, as much as any other, is where the church has always gotten the foundation for its teaching on the Trinity, that in the beginning there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John also says 
that all things that were made were made by him. Life comes from Jesus. All of creation comes from Jesus. Everything that we can imagine comes from Jesus. We as parents often joke with our kids, especially when we're somewhat annoyed at our kids. I know none of you have ever been annoyed at any of your children, but try and imagine it for a moment. And sometimes we'll, we'll joke and say that I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. Well, let me defend the children for a minute. No, you didn't. Jesus is the source of life, not you, not me. Jesus is the one that created life. Jesus is the one that brings life. And Jesus is the only one who can take life away. Jesus is the source of all creation. John is saying that the one I want you to believe in is the one who created you in the first place. Nothing that was ever made was made and it didn't involve Jesus. Now, we're going to see throughout this gospel as I go through this, and I'm going to do it in somewhat of a methodical way throughout the weeks ahead. We will notice two extremely prevalent themes in the gospel of John, and it's two words. Life and light. Jesus is life. And Jesus is the light. Verse 4 makes it clear. In him was life. And the life was the light of all mankind. But also we see and will see throughout the Gospel of John that the opposites of those two concepts will be addressed as well. And that would be death and darkness. Jesus brings light. Jesus brings understanding. Jesus is how we gain clarity. We basically, if we're trying to describe to people our experience as far as becoming Christians, we're basically people who can say the lights have been turned on. We understand things we never could have understood before. We have a perspective on things we never could have understood before, which is why also as Christians, we should have a little bit of sympathy and understanding for people who don't have the lights turned on yet. But by leaving in his name, he gives the blessings of life and light. Now, outside of Jesus, outside of knowing him, Biological life does exist. That's what he said in motion. But there is no true life, no ultimate life, no the blessing of eternal life without Jesus. All of the greatest philosophers throughout human history, Plato and Aristotle and all these guys who believe they came up with all this truth and understanding on their own, sorry guys, without Jesus you wouldn't have been able to think of anything. Every single truth that has ever been uttered by mankind, even going into science with Einstein and all these other guys, it's because of what Jesus put in the lives of people. Whatever light, whatever truth anyone has ever uncovered came from the Lord of light. So since this is true, that all truth, all light, all life comes from Jesus. In my way of thinking, this should remove something or should remove one trait from people. And it's that wonderful human trait 
of being stuck up. Because all of us have experienced that at some point. And all of us have allowed other people in our presence to experience that at some point. The idea that we would be proud because of a, of, of a revelation that came to us, we need to understand it came because Jesus Christ was merciful enough to us to give us a revelation. Well, if you only knew what I know, wait until you've learned as much as I've learned. The only reason anybody that arrogant would say anything like that is because they don't understand that they've been helped in their studies by Jesus. Jesus has basically, in some area of their life, turned the lights on. Truth comes by Jesus and Jesus alone. So we know where Jesus came from, and we know what he does. He brings life and light. So... Who is he? And before going into depth in this gospel, John then pivots and introduces John the Baptist. And he makes the introduction of John the Baptist first by letting people know who John wasn't. He was not the light. He was only there to point people to the light. And he made it clear there's coming one who's greater than me. And verse, the end of verse number seven, and the reason John the Baptist was there, so that all through him may believe. Church, this is our charge as well. The only reason we're here is so that through something that we do, through some act of love or service, that all would come to believe. We are to bear witness to the light. Now, in order to be a witness, and... I knew this before working for the law firm I work for now. But in order to be a witness, you have to know something. Otherwise, why would anybody call you to be a witness? To be a witness, not only do you have to know something, but you have to know it to a degree that you would be able to, as a witness, to move the verdict in a certain direction. Our lives need to bear witness to the fact that Jesus brings light. Has Jesus brought light into your life? Then our everyday lives need to reflect that. Our actions need to bear witness that Jesus has brought light into us. Our attitudes need to bear witness that Jesus brings light. Our vocabulary needs to bear witness that Jesus brings light. Now, Pastor, you're messing with people. You're meddling. Everything about us needs to bear witness that Jesus brings light. John, John wanted to make sure that people worshiped Jesus, not the messenger. I am grateful for all the honor and respect that I've been given here and in many places that I travel as a minister. But my goal is not to gain honor. My goal is to point you to Jesus. This opening section contains so much information about Jesus' origin, his makeup, his purpose. Jesus came to bring light. The act of paying the price for our sins should turn the lights on. The act of being bruised and beaten in our place should, for people, turn the lights on. The act of wiping our guilty slate clean should turn the lights on. And we bear witness 
to the fact that the lights have been turned on. And normally when the lights have been turned on, that gives people a chance for us to, to see us smile. So let me see you smile. Let me take my glasses. Let me see you smile. (laughs) We want to be witnesses. If there's been a light that's been turned on within you, there should be a joy. If there's been a light that's been turned on in you, there should be a peace. If there's a light that's been turned on inside your heart, there are going to be things that you're able to endure in a different way than the world endures them. We bear witness to the light being turned on in our lives, and then we can do something amazing. We can help others get the light turned on in their life so they too can have life. But then comes the issue that many in the church deal with. Realizing that no one should ever be mired in their mistakes. No one should ever be seen only as the collection of the poor choices they've made. No one. No one, no matter how much they've done or what they've done or how long they've lived making poor choices, is forever chained to darkness. Every single one of us that believes in Jesus Christ is a testimony and a witness to the fact that anyone can come into the light at least not in this life. Anyone can come into the light. In this life, we all have an opportunity. It's always amazed me how easily people can remember your bad mistakes. How easily people can remember the times in your life when you've been utterly clueless. And yet, Jesus comes into our life to bring a different perspective, the ability to see into people's lives and remember the good things and see the good even when nobody else does. So if you're still breathing, then the lights can be turned on in your life. Please raise your hand if you're still breathing. Making sure everybody turn that and put their hands up. The life Jesus came to give remains available to you in any area of your life. Because so many of us have experienced that even when we first came to Jesus, there was work that Jesus had to do. There were areas of our life that although the center of our heart had a light in it, there were other compartments that we needed time to get the light turned on. That's what believing in Jesus does. I have to wonder sometimes how we can forget that. So many Christians seem to have the gift of reminding people of their past. So many Christians appear to be very good at seeing the darkness in other people. Church, let's be a church that turns the lights on. Let's be a church that helps other people turn the lights on. Let's turn the lights on in ourselves so that we can see the lights being turned on in other people. Why? Because this introduction, this opening section, concludes with a very sober warning. It comments on those who would not receive him. Toward the end of the first 18 verses, it comments on those who rejected him. Those who prefer darkness to light. Those who prefer living in secret rather than living openly. You ever been in a room 
where you were sleeping. It was the middle of the night. You're sleeping soundly. All the lights are off, and it's not a particularly starry night, or the moon's not out, so it's really dark. And someone has the audacity to turn the lights on. What's your first response? I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and I'm so grateful, since I don't believe any of you have a prison record, that you didn't do that. But there is this reaction in the natural to all of a sudden being in the darkness and being comfortable there and then having the lights turned on. And so many people in our world live in that every single day. They are comfortable living in darkness. They are comfortable living in sin. They are comfortable living in a way that they can give one impression and live another way. And then Jesus wants to come and turn the lights on. And they're like, whoa, turn the lights on. And they have this mindset that is basically that squinting who put the lights on thing. It comments on those who rejected him. But even this dire warning in verse 12 reminds us, as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That word receive in Greek literally means to take hold and fully embrace and believe to have faith and trust in his name. Being a child of God up until this point, being the people of God up until this point in history was a matter of lineage. It was a matter of being a part of the people of Israel. When Jesus came, John is saying, basically, anyone who believes in the name of Jesus, anyone who receives him fully as Lord and Master, now has the right to become children of God. Being a child of God is no longer an issue of heredity. Now, we as Christian parents do the best we can to provide a Christian home and a Christian sense and atmosphere so that our children can grow up in that environment. But let's be clear. When your children get to stand before Jesus one day, they're not, he's not going to say and ask, who was your mom and dad? He's not going to say, well... My sons, well, okay, your dad was a pastor and a preacher, and he did a couple of good things, and I'll let you in. It's not going to matter at that moment who their father was, who their mother was, who their friends were. What did you as an individual do with Jesus? Being raised in a Christian home is a good thing, but it doesn't make you a Christian. Being baptized when you were young might be an important ritual and sign, but that act doesn't make you a Christian. Accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior and bowing your life to him every single day, that's what makes you a Christian. Those all things can be good and be a solid part of your journey with Jesus. But being a Christian at the core is about receiving him as Savior and, and lowering yourself, your life, to him as Lord. And again, not just by loving him, but by also trusting him. Because how many people here or watching to me through live stream have people in your life you love, but you don't trust? Yeah, don't raise your hand and please don't look at anybody. <laughs> we all do. So loving Jesus isn't the end of the relationship. 
I need to love him, yes. I need to trust him with everything that's within me. To trust him deeply. That's what being a Christian is. By fully embracing Jesus as Lord and Savior, not just by loving him, that's when the lights come on. That's when I can see things I never saw before. And not only can the lights come on, but how many here can testify to the fact they can stay on? And you can continue to walk through life, not in darkness. Now, people are going to say, sure, I want the lights on. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want the lights on? Well, the truth is, they say that, but they don't. Because when the lights come on, things get exposed. When the lights come on, that which was hidden is revealed. And a lot of people don't want things exposed or revealed. But Jesus has come into our lives to enlighten our mind. He's come to enlighten our vocabulary. He's come to enlighten our habits, especially those habits that don't please him, but that we've become comfortable with. When you come to Jesus, the lights come on. Whether you like the lights or not. When the lights come on, walking blind in the world ceases to be an excuse. It's always made me kind of chuckle, and I've tried to do it less and less outwardly, because that could be seen as disrespectful. When someone says to me, a Christian, and a Christian who's been following the Lord for a while, will trip in some area of their lives or, or express an emotion that wasn't helpful in a given situation, usually anger, and they'll come to me and say, you know, I really shouldn't have said the things I said to that person. I really shouldn't have flown off the handle like that and have been angry. Pastor, I just couldn't help myself. Liar. Because the Bible says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So the moment you gave your heart to Jesus, you were given a power and you lost the excuse forever that I couldn't help myself. We're not here to help ourselves. We're here to let Jesus help us. Now, I do promise if you do come to me with that conversation, I will be caring and sensitive. But now you know what I'll be thinking in the back of my head. <laughs> Pastor, I couldn't help myself. I understand. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> and we all do it. We all go through it. We all have those moments where there is revealed in us those areas that the light isn't shining as brightly as it should. With Jesus, obstacles in life really can be removed. With Jesus, because they're being fully seen and fully understood for what they're doing to us and what they're doing to the relationships around us. We're not just people who want to embrace good teaching that will be a blessing to our lives. We want to embrace Jesus fully because he is the source of all life, of all joy, of everything. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is the light of the world. Is that your testimony today? Jesus is the light of the world. And that begins Jesus being the light of the world, it begins with him being the light of your world. In every area. Church, that's who Jesus is. He is light and he is life.
Now, I got saved when I was young. I was 17 years old. So I truly don't remember much of before Jesus because there have been many, many more years after that encounter. And I would love to be able to stand here and tell you that after I met Jesus at the age of 17, I've never strayed, walked away, or had any issues with growth in my life. But then you'd be able to look at me and say, I understand while thinking, liar. <laughs> so we're all on a journey. But let's be clear what the journey is about. The journey is about getting closer to the light getting closer to his life, letting him reveal things in us that we may not always want to have revealed, especially to us. When I got called to preach, the last thing I wanted God to reveal to me was that it could work, was that it could happen. Was that any speech impediment or fear that I had that he could overcome? That was the last thing I wanted God to show me. But yet I wanted to draw closer to Jesus. How many know Jesus is an entire package, not a buffet table? You get all of Jesus. And I can testify as the testimony of my life that Jesus doesn't forget anything he asked you to do. And even if years go by, my loving Lord and Savior has a way of being real annoying and keep plugging away. I was doing wonderful things for him in a church I was attending. I was being a youth leader. I was being a Sunday school teacher. I was being a deacon in the church. I was uh, part of the church's council. I was helping in any way I could. And I would go to prayer and say, Lord, I just want to lift up all these acts to you as a form of worship. And he would say, yes, they're wonderful. But do you remember a conversation we had when you were 17? And I tried to have a selective memory like all of us do. And I had to say, yes, I do remember it. What about that? The light stays on. And it doesn't go out. So what light needs to get turned on in your life today? What place in you, what part of your journey do you would prefer that, maybe not that, that it remain in darkness, but that, you know, instead of putting a 100-watt bulb on that part of my life, maybe we'll put like a 40-watt bulb over there. So it's not too bright over there. Church, this world needs the lights turned on. It's living and walking and comfortable in darkness. But before the lights can get turned on fully in the world, they need to get turned on fully in the church. And the church right now has its own issues. So I just want... So in this journey through the gospel of John, begin, I wanted to begin by something really simple, simple concepts, life and light. I thank God that Jesus turned the lights on in my life. I thank God that Jesus has revealed over the previous 40 years, more than 40 years, the blessing of having the light turned on. At the moment, it might be a little uncomfortable. At the moment, I might squint a little bit. At the moment, as the lights get turned on, I might try and cover up what it's being revealed. But there is no greater blessing to truly experiencing Jesus as the light of the world, especially the light of my world. Stand with me, please.